This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Welcome to the Candid Life Podcast, where we turn our broken hallelujahs into melody lines of impact. And I am your host, Lydia Gago. Today's theme, taking risks. And in our talk today, we are going to talk specifically about what is a risk, why people don't take risks, and the rewards of taking risks. To help us discuss this topic is a wonderful young person who I have had the pleasure of knowing, and she is a source of inspiration because of the way she lives life on the edge. And I mean, she is truly a risk taker. I met her at our local Genesis Bank here in Rochester Hills. And as we developed our relationship, I was just simply blown away by her style of living. And like I said, she has that living on the edge spirit. So I'd like to welcome to The Candid Life, Isabel Pennell. Isabel, welcome to The Candid Life. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Um, I don't like to think I live on the edge, but I think from an outside perspective, it seems a little crazy, the things I do in my day-to-day life. Well, um, family, all I'm gonna say is, as we talk a little further, you'll understand exactly what I mean when I tell you that she lives on the edge. It's going to be a very slow unwrapping of the package because I really want you to enjoy every experience of this young lady. Okay. Before we go further into our discussion, Isabel, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, and some of the people who have really influenced you until this point. Oh, by the way, she's only 23. My upbringing, I was raised by a family who all they did was work. I don't mean like didn't spend time with us and work like because they were so consumed, but we didn't come from a privileged life. They had to work to be able to provide for us. And that really rubbed off on me. I started working when I was very, very young. I did babysitting while I was in middle school and things. And then when I turned about 14, I waitressed as a waitress at Coney Island. And then that kind of just went up from there. I moved on to a family-owned steak and seafood, waitress, bus, bartended, and then COVID hit. And that wasn't a viable source of income anymore. I lived on my own since late 18, early 19. I moved out. I lived with my brother and took care of him and started at a credit union as a loan officer. And things have just kind of gone up from there and taken many different turns for sure. But upbringing wise, good life, a little bit challenged, definitely raised to be a hard worker, which has turned out to be a good thing so far. That's wonderful. I'm just stuck on the fact that you were waitressing at age 14. One of my favorite I, stories. I honestly to tell. didn't think you could start waitressing that young. So tell us. You couldn't. I mean, I showed up for my first day and I love to tell this part of the story because I think it's hilarious for everybody now in hindsight. Um, it was family owned. A lot of things were done under the books. I look a little bit older than I am in certain situations of my life. I take care of myself and try to present myself a little bit older than I am too sometimes, which I think helps that I showed up and she's like, oh, how old are you? And I was like 14. And she looks at me with like these big wide eyes. 
She's like, I didn't realize you were that young. And it was kind of too late at that point. So they just kind of like, can nobody else knew it. Everybody else just assumed I was older. So we kind of just went with it and did a little bit of a sketchy thing, but it, it worked out <laughs> in the end. So I'm assuming you were paid under the table. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, how did your parents feel about that? It didn't bother them. Mm. I went to school, did my work that I was supposed to. My parents never forced us academically, I would say. Um, it was kind of do what you need to do to graduate. It wasn't sign up for a mini, as many AP classes as you want or have to do these kinds of things, score very high. It was go to school, show up, do your homework, graduate. So me wanting to work for them, that's how they were raised. My mom was raised very poor in a family of seven. My dad had one other sibling. And then his mom and dad, my grandpa was a self-employed tile layer. And my dad kind of followed suit with that. So academics and education wasn't a big part of their life. So I think it was hard for them to force that on us. So work ethic was more important to them. Mm, that's really powerful. Okay, we're talking about taking risks and I couldn't help but look up a couple of risk related quotes. And I found these. The first is, Mark Zuckerberg, the biggest risk is not taking any risk. In a world that is changing really quickly, the only strategy that is guaranteed to fail is not taking risks. And we all know Mark, uh, the chief executive officer of Facebook. And then there's another one here, which I thought was really cool. This is Nina Bhatti, founder of and CEO of Coco Inc. It says, opportunity does not come gift wrapped. You must take risks. And Michelle Obama says, success isn't about how much money you make. It's about the difference you make in people's lives. And I just thought those were very, very interesting quotes by these famous folk. That's the only way I can describe them. But you and I know that these were people who we've seen have taken risks over and over again and have been very successful. So mm -hmm. when you think of risk, what comes to your mind? Um, definitely more to like the second quote you brought up, it, opportunities are not gift wrap. And that's become very apparent mm -hmm. in my life anyways. Everything that I've been able to do as a goal and reach that goal, I worked really, really hard for it. I couldn't just sit there and not do anything and hope this was going to come up taking a risk is being afraid of what that outcome is going to be and knowing it may not work out and what you're going to sacrifice with it. Mm -hmm. But keeping your eye on the big picture, if you work through it and you do it, how great that outcome can be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you don't even think about the sacrifices you made prior to that. Well, that's actually amazing. All the different things that you've done so far, and especially with the waitressing. I, I'm curious, though, what are some of the recent risks that you have taken in your life and what motivated you to actually take those risks? So I would say there's probably two big ones. First one being I started drifting. And I didn't know what drifting was before I started doing it. My boyfriend does it and introduced me to it. So. I think Lydia is going to have a video for anybody who doesn't know what it is and wants to know what it is. To give a brief synopsis, though, it's basically how well you can keep a car going sideways in layman's terms. 
not about necessarily how fast you're going, but how much sideways you're going, how much wheel speed you have to basically uncontrollably drift your car around a corner in a controllable way. Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I started doing that. Leading into that, starting to drift means I needed a car. Mm -hmm. So I bought this 2001 BMW manual that I have learned how to work on. Mm-hmm. I've learned things about clutches and transmissions that I never thought I would. I feel like a mini mechanic at my own house now. It's been very cool to do something that's typically a male-dominated industry and now being a female joining in on this and learning things that a lot of females I don't think get an opportunity to learn how fun it can be. When your boyfriend introduced you to this whole drifting concept, I mean, what went through your mind? I went to one event with him and I was like, I have to do this. Wow. First ride around the track with him. I was like, this is so much fun. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love to do (laughs) off the wall, not your normal activities. And I, like you said, I sat in that seat and the first time he floored around that corner, I was like, I have to do this. Okay. So how do you prep yourself into, you know, how did he teach you first of all? And then how do you, I mean, isn't it a risky sport? It is. I mean, we take a lot of safety precautions. Um, my car is a five point harness seat. Mm-hmm. So you're completely strapped in. Um, we have to go through called what's tech. It's called tech. Um, so we have to have fire extinguishers within arm's reach in case something was to catch on fire. Um, We do like fire drills at the track during events as well to make sure all of our drivers are practicing and know what to do in that situation. And they time us at these events to make sure that we can handle something like that. You have to have certain helmets that are rated to a certain spec to be able to drive in the event. If you don't have the right helmet, you're not driving until you get that helmet. Um, We try to wear full clothing. So um, sometimes you can get away with like a tank top and a really, really hot day. But normally we try to stay pretty covered up, long sleeves, long pants, closed-toed shoes, just to prepare as much as you can for something unexpected to happen. It's just like any risky sport, like skydiving, rock climbing, something can go wrong and you never know when. But I would say it tends to be a more riskier sport, especially when you get into tandeming and there's multiple cars on the track that you're chasing. How do you mentally prepare to go in there and drift? You just got to do it. I was so nervous my first event and my boyfriend looks at me. He's like, it's all about having fun. If you're not having fun, the sport isn't for you. Mm -hmm. He's like, no one's watching you. No one's judging you because I am no pro drifter by any means. I spin out nine times out of 10 on the track. It's taken a lot of a mental barrier of self-confidence to be like, no one's staring at me and it's okay to mess up. Mm -hmm. So it's still hard. You still kind of sit there and you get in the seat and you get on track. We call it grid. When you get on grid for the first time and you're waiting for the waiver to go and you just, you lay on the pedal and you go and it's like everything melts away. Okay. I like that. I like the whole concept of everything melting away. And the reason why everything is melting away is because what? You're in the moment. You're in the moment, you just realize how much fun you're having. It feels so powerful to do it as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think many people can say that 
they've gotten to max a car out to its full potential mm-hmm. and do something so uncontrollable in a controlled environment. Yeah. And I think the first event I did, that was really big for me. Mm-hmm. Seeing what a car can do when you push it to its limit. And then all of a sudden you're doing this beautiful thing. That's such a vivid description of what it means to take a risk and to see the benefits of it, right? 100%. I I just love what you said there about pushing this car to its max and just experiencing that hidden potential. Because oftentimes when we drive our car, we are not really pushing our cars to their full potential. We're very limited, right? Mm -hmm. Drifting actually takes it to a whole new level and you are in charge of what's going on. So... I love that. Tell me about the second risk that you've taken so far. It's kind of like two combined in one. Um, I left a six-year relationship, Mm -hmm. massively changed my life. I met this beautiful person that I get to call my best friend, Mm -hmm. do this amazing sport with him. We moved out. We now live in a house together in a completely new city. I've never left my city that I grew up in. I got a wonderful job at a credit union and then I left it. I upped and left it because I wanted to go back to school full time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something I could do the two together during. So I left this new beautiful life that I had planned for myself job wise to risk everything and go back to waitressing and bartending to be able to fulfill my education goal. Okay. So you've gone back to. Yeah. Waitressing and bartending. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that feel like a little deja vu moment? It's different this time, I think, with the support system I now have prior to going to the credit union in the relationship I learned a lot from, but not a good relationship. I didn't have that support system. It was something I had to do. Mm-hmm. And now leaving a very good financial job that I can support myself on very well. Mm-hmm. to go back to something a little bit more unpredictable but having this beautiful supportive person behind me to catch me if something happens it brings a very different light to it if you're just joining the candid life podcast my name is Lydia Gago and I am here with Isabel Pennell um, an amazing young lady, a great friend who is living at the edge. And I forgot to say she is also the owner of Bell Hill Blooms. And she's taken on the hobby of drifting. The topic is taking risks. And we're just allowing Isabel to share a little bit of her life. Um, before I forget, Isabel is only 23 years young and is living life to the full. Just taking a couple of risks and allowing those risks to play out with benefits. So Isabel, you just mentioned that you left this job um, at Genesis. Mm -hmm. What kind of banking were you doing at Genesis briefly? This will kind of fit the theme for my working career. I kind of start at the bottom and I very quickly move my way to the top. Mm -hmm. Um, Started as a teller for them Six months into that, I got an opportunity to become a loan officer. Loan officer meaning working with our members, taking loan applications, being the middleman between underwriting and members themselves. And then in conjunction with that, I was then offered an opportunity about 
three to four months later to become basically a fill-in assistant manager, which when my branch manager was away, I would take care of the branch, run the day-to-day function, never fire or hire anybody like that, but make sure a branch was running the way it should mm-hmm. from start to finish for that day. That's great. You know, before you give out a loan, what are some of the risks that you take into consideration as a banker? Um, I think what helped me be a loan officer is I took the time to learn what my underwriters wanted to see and calculating that risk. So are you someone who's working part-time, but you have a under the table kind of job? Are you someone who's on a fixed income? Are you possibly about to go through a career change? Things that could affect how you're going to pay this loan back because ultimately it's not about paying us back, but if you can't pay us, it's going to hurt your credit, which is going to snowball into this financial hardship later on. Mm -hmm. If we were to take that to risks and your life, Mm -hmm. what were some of the things you took into consideration before you jumped in and actually decided, you know, "Mm, this is a calculated risk, but I'm going to go for it. When I calculated my own risk to go back to restaurants, I looked at my prior experience for the last nine years. I knew I could do it. Even when I was offered the job at the credit union and had a higher income, I never changed my budget. I never allowed myself to get myself more things to where I now have this income gap that I need to fill. I very much lived within my means prior to having an income increase. That's good. So what you're basically telling me is before you took this risk of leaving your job, you had to do a little inventory, right? And check and make sure that it was a risk that was worth taking. Mm-hmm. And you had enough, um, what do you call it? Cushion? Yes. You would say yes to be able to take that risk and not fall through the mattress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> as bad as it sounds, it's the reality of it, though. You know, I'm still very fascinated. Young lady, living life, taking all these risks. Um, What would you say has been your greatest motivation in living this way? Because you don't always have young people living like this. I know young people are known for taking risks and everything else. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, as you get a little older, you get a bit more cautious about taking certain risks. But what has been your motivation? Because I don't see you stopping. (laughs) (laughs) um how I talked about my upbringing is we didn't get to do a lot and I saw how hard my parents worked to just be able to afford being alive and raising a family we didn't go on vacations I didn't have I didn't believe in Santa I knew my parents were Santa it was a very strict reality in my house where I didn't get to live in the unknown I knew what was going on. And then the older I got and having a job and how finances work, paying for a phone bill at 16 because I wanted an iPhone. I had to work for it. Moving out as young as I did, I was very frugal. I had to be to be able to afford living. And now that I've kind of worked out these certain kinks and been able to put money away, I got to go on vacations. I no longer want to live to work. I want to be able to work to live. And it's taken a long time to come to that. But I don't want to die one day thinking, 
I wish I would have went on this. I wish I would have taken that time off of work because at the end of the day, when I die, my job's going to replace me. And I can't replace all of these opportunities that I potentially could miss because I didn't want to take off work or not make that extra day up. Family, with that, I think we need a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the benefits of taking risks. Welcome back. And if you are just joining us, this is the Candid Life podcast. And I'm your host, Lydia Gargo. Today, we are talking about taking risks. And I'm here with Isabel Pennell, a vibrant and amazing friend living on the edge and owner of Bell Hill Blooms. And uh, we talked about her taking the hobby of drifting. Tell me again about the two work experiences that you had that you said you were regretful of. Okay. So the life insurance was somebody, a really good friend of mine at the time had been doing for probably a couple of years at this point. And throughout those years, he kept telling me how good I'd be at it. I had the personality for it. And he really pushed me during the pandemic, not being a server at that point anymore to give it a try. So I did spent a lot of money to get licensed on it, spent a lot of time and effort learning about it, did it for about a month and a half, two months. And it was something that morally didn't end up sitting okay with me. It was very long hours being disrespected and treated in an awful way. And as much as I regretted it, I learned a lot from it, especially in the kind of industry I wanted to be in. Yeah. So did you say this was during the pandemic time? Mm Mm-hmm. So you had to go and visit houses. No. So we did everything over Zoom. Everything over Zoom. Phone calls and Zoom. Yeah. I mean, how do you convince somebody to buy something? I mean, basically it was, this is the product we're offering. You know, here's all the bad things that could happen. And you have kids and you have a wife. And if you lose your income because you die because of this horrible tragedy, like you need us. Need to purchase. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I struggle to see you doing that. It was hard. I mean, <laughs> every day I was corrected on how I was talking to people because it wasn't this scare tactic. It was very much more of a way of here's a reality for you. Could it happen? Yeah. Could it not? Yeah. Um, but they didn't like it. It was a very simple, cautioned way to bring it up to somebody rather than the scary way they wanted me to. Mm. So did you sell anything? I sold two policies um, that I did ultimately feel good about. It wasn't done in the way that they wanted me to. Um, I didn't hit these gray areas, quote, that they called them. Um, I'm a very black and white person for the most part. And that's what I did. And I had good conversations with the husband and wife at that time, they were both present. A lot of them would try to get spouses separated and get one to commit to it if the other one wasn't really on board with it. And that wasn't the case for me. So, I mean, the two policies I sold were comfortable and I was happy with them and I knew it could help them. It was well within budget and what they were going to be looking for. And then the other one was... It was a business-to-business marketing company where we sold donations is what it was. 
mm-hmm. which is a very odd sentence to say, and it's not how they would present it. But it, in reality, it's what it was. We were presenting this nonprofit, trying to get you to donate, which we profited off of. That's very odd. A nonprofit that you profit off of. How does that work? Basically, these nonprofits were someone we would partner with. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure if the logistics behind how we got paid from them worked. Mm-hmm. But just as you said, it's a very odd concept to think of. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily what we were selling and how we were selling it because it ultimately was going along with the nonprofit and the duty was being carried out. But it was a lot more of those, quote, gray areas, um, basically just sending us out to a random territory by ourselves to go talk to strangers without any help. I mean, we could be an hour from the closest rep if something was to happen, other than just calling like 911 if something was to happen, just not the most comfortable situation to be in. And I mean, yes, I like risk, but I don't like those kinds of risk. <laughs> that was too calculated. <laughs> so that was the reason why you decided to just step aside from that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and I think that's probably, I think one of the things that you've said there, I think two of the things that you've actually said there, uh, which I think is really, really important is, making sure that whatever you're doing morally sits with you well, you know, not doing something out of obligation, but knowing Mm -hmm. come away from whatever you're doing, especially if you're working for somebody, um, have a peace about it, have a clear conscience about what you're doing. And then also with what you said about the two policies that you sold, you felt that you had done things correctly. And it wasn't a scare tactic. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, I think like salesman 101 training, everything, every time they tell you like, you're not going to sell if you don't believe in the product and those kind of go hand in hand. If you're not morally believing in something, you're not believing in, believing in your product. So if you think of them that way from the business side and the moral perspective, they really do go hand in hand. And I wasn't morally sitting well with me, didn't believe in these products mm. and it's ultimately why I failed in them. Mm. That's good. So family, lots of words of wisdom here um, to keep in mind when you are taking risks, make sure that the things that you're doing morally sit with you and that you believe in what it is that you were doing. Because ultimately we all have to give an account, right? And you want to be able to look back and say, yeah, you know, I made good choices here. And you can move forward, you know, with peace of mind. Isabel, the question I, I have for you is what has been the greatest reward for you? I think it's just been seeing how all these different outcomes from all these different risks I've taken have changed my life, like switching jobs from life insurance to marketing, to being a banker, to being a waitress. It's the experience that I've had from all of them now have now altered what I want to do in the future. And it's crazy to think something so small can make such a big impact in my thinking. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I know we didn't really spend a lot of time on it is that 
over the years or over these different situations, you have sought counsel. Mm-hmm. You know, you've asked people to advise you. You've got a little bit of guidance. So, Isabel, if you were to advise somebody who is maybe very nervous about taking risks in their lives and is very much on the comfort zone, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them to help them to get off the ledge and uh, take risks? I'm a huge homebody. I hate change. It's so hard for me to make a change, which I think sounds like an oxymoron for all the things I do. Um, But that's why I seek counsel. I think learning from somebody else's mistakes and hearing these other experiences make it a little bit of a less scary thing to make a change in my life and just keep focusing on what that great outcome could be if you make that change. It doesn't have to be a big change. It could be remembering to eat breakfast every single day leads into something else. Like it can be a small change or a big change, but seeking counsel and hearing other experiences from this maybe small or big change you want to make can kind of open your eyes into it's not going to be so bad. Thank you. That's great advice. Well, before we close out, one of the questions I ask all my guests, and I told you about this, is um, especially with all the wisdom that you've gathered over the years and all the different risks and rewards and lessons that you've learned as well um, from some of the risks that didn't work out. What does it mean to you to live the candid life? It's being true to myself and not letting as much counsel as I seek, not letting those opinions alter what I really want to do and the outcome I'm looking for. Um, So to live my candid life, it's to think of my goal and staying honest to myself and challenging myself because if I'm not going to challenge myself, nobody's going to challenge me and I'm my own worst enemy and my best friend at the same time. And it's a big picture. I have to remember every time I take these risks or I hold myself back um, along with the opinions of everybody, just learning from all of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Isabel, thank you. It's been amazing talking to you and just getting the young person's insight <laughs> into living at the edge. You truly have been an inspiration. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on The Candid Life. Uh, this has been fun. And I Definitely hope fun. <laughs> one day come and see you drifting. Okay, this is a big deal for me. So family, if you would like to see a video of what it means to drift, please click on the video linked in the the podcast description. I would love to hear your thoughts and contributions. So connect with me on livethecandidlife at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at Lydia Gago. Subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and family. I will make you this one promise. When you listen to this podcast, the stories you hear just like Isabel's, will inspire, challenge, and empower you to live differently so that you can impact your generation and the next for good. And so until next time, remember your story matters. So live the candid life 24-7. Thank you and God bless you.
inaendeshwa na Afripods.